New year, new us. No. You don't like that? <laughs> no. <laughs> no. It's not a new it's year. It's not a new year. That's the only reason I don't like it. Same us. You're not at all different. No. I mean, yes. Since the last time yeah. we had oh, a podcast. Absolutely. I mean, years have passed. <laughs> absolutely. No, I'm different. What's the thing that's most different? Did you get a new piercing? Yeah, no, I'm actually cleaning my house differently, and it's actually made a huge difference in my life. How so? I, do you really want me to share about this? I am actually, if you are a longtime listener of this podcast, you'll know I don't read books, but I'm currently reading a book, and it's called Cleaning Your House Without Losing Your Mind. Yeah. And it's so good. It's been really helpful for me. So, I mean, the main premise is, like, just clean your house, because it's like, if this is a book that you want to teach you how to organize and do this better, they're like, this isn't a book is not for you. If you're just bad at doing it, the whole premise is just go do it. And she talks about like the, just all the philosophy behind that. And it's been really helpful for me and I've enjoyed, okay, I'm not really reading it, but I'm listening to it, which I feel like is kind of the same. It is the same. That's what they tell you. I mean, I feel guilty about it, but. So when I was in special ed and uh, I needed help with my reading. I say, like, listening to books is not cheating. You're How just, so? it, why would it be cheating? You're still getting the same feel, content. It's true. I guess it's, you know, what's your end goal here? Compre- yeah, it's just the comprehension. Are you like, trying to get comprehension or are yes. you trying to learn how to read? <laughs> Maybe both. <laughs> I hope you're past Maybe that. both. Yeah. Early on, <laughs> when I was struggling with reading, it was all about I had to read. this word follows this word yeah. and then so on and so forth. And then it just became, I'm just bored while reading. <laughs> so I need better help uh, yeah. to help me comprehend. Totally. That's what's so nice for me because I can do stuff while I l- read. Yeah. So, yeah, that's been yeah. awesome. What about you? What's different about you? Um, my hair is shorter. It was longer. Now it's shorter again. I guess it's about the same length it was when we stopped the <laughs> podcast. I got a haircut. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. Ow. We're about Sorry, to get, yeah, another big haircut. So, yeah. surprise. It's going to be <laughs> awesome. I can't <laughs> wait. Uh, no, I've been um, I've been busy and a mm. uh, lot of life going on at once. And um, it's definitely maturing me very quickly. Oof. Yeah. It sounds good and hard. Yeah, it's definitely good and hard. It creates a lot of stress. Mm-hmm. Which is what we're talking about. Yeah. Uh, it was that was not planned at all. <laughs> but way to go. Way to go, us. Yes. Um I, I have a surprise for you. Oh, I'm so scared. Are is you? it a question for me that's gonna be really hard? It's not a question. Okay. I have something for you to listen to. You ready? Yes. Okay, here I'm we scared. go. I uh, recently became a father. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> became a father for the fourth time. Never as much applause on that part. <laughs> really no applause, right? Because after the third kid, people stop congratulating you. <laughs> then they just treat you like you're Amish. <laughs> Four, well, that's one way to live your life. <laughs> Can you build us one of those wood fireplaces? <laughs> Four kids. Four kids. Do you want to know what it's like to have a fourth? Just imagine you're drowning, <laughs> and then someone hands you a baby. 
It's so good. It's um, neither of us have four children, but yeah, I maybe at two having a third, it felt like that too. Well, I, I feel like <laughs> if someone to were to hand me a baby, that's what yes. I would feel like right now. Yes. Oh, it's so good. That's <laughs> if you don't know who that is, that's Jim Gaffigan. Um, his, all of his specials are awesome. Um, Hilarious. So just, just YouTube him, find him on Netflix, whatever. Um, mm-hmm. But he he just he has all these bits about what it's like to have lots of kids, <laughs> and and he's uh, clean. And he's, the most yeah, part. he's a clean comic, so he's fun, really fun to listen to. But um, I played that clip because uh, I think it is a great image as far as how we handle stress, Mm -hmm. you have a lot on your plate and then something else is given to you Mm -hmm. um, and it goes on top of that. So I want to talk about what in particular that image um, and how that plays out into the life of a teenager today. So Mm -hmm. Susan, if you could paint the life of a teenager right now, um, you could do like day to day or week for week. Like what is a typical life of a teenager like right now? Mm. Um, you you want from sunrise to sunset, or you're it's just like my feeling? Yeah. Um, I feel like they are juggling. I imagine a picture of like juggling a lot of balls. Of like, you wake up, and because their phone is so much part of their connection piece, like they probably wake up to texts. A lot of my girls wake up to massive group text, and just the volume of the number stresses them out as soon as they wake up. Like, they already see, like, oh, my gosh, I have 57 text messages because they'll be on, like, a big, like, their sports team thread. And, like, everybody responds. Yep. So they wake up, and that's what they enter into. They're tired. They get to school. They do school. School's hard. I mean, school's school. You know, it's there's its own stressors. They have extracurricular activities right now. Everybody's in sport. They're fall sport. They come home and... I mean, the thing that overwhelms me right now is the volume of homework people have and how long it takes them. And I did ask a student the other day, because she told me it takes her five hours every night. Yeah. I was like, five hours? (laughs) Like, I can't even imagine that. And I said, do you put your phone away while you do your homework? And she was like, no, that's probably some of it, what makes it hard, too. yeah. So they're distracted, they're overstimulated, they're trying to connect and learn chemistry, and, like, those things are swirling. So just back to that image of, like, 17 balls, you're dropping stuff, stuff's falling off the edge, and just these students struggle with perfectionism, so they're, like, recovering somehow, and so it's just this big ball of stress, of, like, overwhelmed... um, Probably, I'll just stop there. I think overwhelmed. Yeah. And overstimulated. Yeah, and let's not forget uh, the relationships that they have that are interwoven into yes. the, the boxes that they have to check with school and sports and extracurriculars mm-hmm. and, you know, everything that's going on with that. They have friendships. Um, they have boyfriends. They have girlfriends. They have parents. They have lack thereof parents. Um, they have just the culture, everything just kind of feeding into them that just adds on this mm-hmm. And we were talking about recently, John is a coach at a different school that's not really, um, we don't have anybody in our mix at the church from this school, but we were just talking about the pressure of the society of just being involved in everything, like a club team, running cross country at your school, being part of a club, being SGA president, like the pressure culturally is even worse 
than normal. Yeah, it's pretty crazy. It's pretty crazy, and I can't say, um, like I what I had that much less going on um, in high school. You know, it's like we all had the same type of dynamics, and we're going to talk about like what's different about today, um, and why it's more stressful to be a teenager. And we'll talk about that in a minute. As far as like the distraction piece, if you want to know more about that, we have a whole series on that. So go back and look at that about technology and phone and trying to do homework, all that type of stuff. Um, We invite you to do that. We're not going to focus on that. We're going to focus on the stress Mm -hmm. and why it's more stressful to be a teenager today than it was 10, 15, 20 years ago. Um, So I, uh, the, the common theme with these episodes is I've, I've read a book and um, it's, it sparks an idea and we try to assimilate some science and some psychology and how it associates with the adolescent brain and the adolescent experience. So the book that really kind of sparked this conversation in this episode is, um, called good anxiety by Dr. Wendy Suzuki. And she is a fairly leading psychologist uh, on the topic of anxiety, that anxiety is something that is part of our natural world and has good roots to it. So we are made with an anxious bone in order for us to excel as humans. She would go into the depths of like it's part of the – um, natural order and the evolutionary um, progress to say that we are anxious so that we can grow and survive in this world. What's happening is what she'll say is that we've let anxiety um, outweigh us. It's become too anxious to where we can't handle it very well. And so we're regressing as humans in this world because we're not handling stress and anxiety very well. So one of uh, the pieces of her research is to say that anxiety, if we approach it right, should actually be helping us grow like really well, which is such a fascinating synopsis and saying like, please tell me more. You know, I, yeah, that feels the opposite when you experience anxiety. Yeah. Yeah. That's exactly um, how we spin it right now. And she's saying there is a, totally different narrative uh, that we're not talking about and we're not pursuing and we're not focusing on. So as I was reading this book, um, I'm going to try to summarize the entire book in one one image. Giddy up. (laughs) Yeah. So uh, as I I read, I tried to visualize um, and summarize. This is probably why I was terrible and like English and comprehension. Uh, but nowadays it pays off a whole lot more than what was required of me in middle school and <laughs> high school. So uh, uh, imagine that the human is a mechanism, like uh, a piece of machinery, and it's a conveyor belt. So you have like you go to the grocery store and the conveyor belt that takes it towards the beep, whatever that thing is called. Um, <laughs> what is what beep, beep, not yeah. the checker router thing. The checker router thing. Um, <laughs> And then on the other side, it spits out the conveyor belt. Let's just say the conveyor belt keeps going. So on the front end, you're putting uh, packages uh, to go through the, the, the mechanism. 
and you keep stacking those packages on top of it. And you stack them up as much as you can, but then you have to force it through the mechanism so that it can come out on the other side, organized and set and in its rightful place. So she says, um, and this is me summarizing it, she says that anxiety is the process of us taking that first half of packages and weight and trying to push it through the mechanism of our human body and trying to spit it out on the other side really organized. And the, the process of pushing it through the human body is when we experience stress. And depending on uh, how we handle that, we will either implode as a mechanism, uh, we put too much in at once, or we have too much weight and so things buckle and so the machine shuts down, or we just see the size, the amount of stuff that's coming at us, and we freak out, and we run the other direction. However, she says on the other side of things, if you approach the stress, and or in this image, the packages really well, and you can really see what's going on, you will create a system in which to receive the stress and the the packages well so that they come out more fruitful on the back end. So imagine yourself as a stress machine. No problem. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Done. Yeah. So I, I don't know if that image helps. Yeah, um, no, it does. But I also like to imagine, just try to imagine a bookshelf mm -hmm. that has too many books on it. Okay. And what happens when you overload a bookshelf? buckles and it, it starts to bow yes. and then it just collapses so i would say um where we're at right now is we have completely broken the mechanism and we have uh, put too much weight and i i'm not just saying for teenagers i think that the result of the pandemic has broken the mechanism mm -hmm. and we're at this standstill time of trying to reestablish what that mechanism is as a human. Mm -hmm. So back back um, before the pandemic or even like 10 or 20 years ago, you could think that like the weight of being a teenager was pretty hard and stressful. Nothing's changed about that, but it was manageable. Um, we had figured out how to run the system of life as well as being a teenager, and we would just take on the stress and push it out so that we were fruitful on the back half of it. What has happened uh, over the course of time is that the stress load has gotten bigger. Um, the expectations are higher for teenagers today than they were. Um, technology definitely has a piece for that socially. The social anxieties are up way more than they used to be. And then uh, the last piece is the stress of the pandemic has just completely shattered uh, the mechanism. Mm -hmm. And so at that point, you should start to think, oh, no, what what do we do? Yeah. Uh, I think that it's really helpful for us to think and pause for a moment mm -hmm. and say, what do, you, what do you do when a machine breaks down, mm -hmm. Susan? What, what would you do? You could talk about that as a, the, the stress machine of a teenager, or you can talk about that as a physical machine what do you do when something breaks down uh i mean i immediately thought about things at our house <laughs> i try to figure out how i can fix the solution if it's beyond my control or like 
if it's beyond my, like a dishwasher, I can watch a YouTube video. If it's beyond what I can do, I got to call a professional. Yeah. Like I can't, I can't do it myself. Yeah. So I need outside help. Yeah. You need to outsource. Mm-hmm. Um, you need to figure things out. So normally it's like when something breaks down, we just think, okay, what do I need to do in order to rebuild it? Let's go back to the bookshelf. You say, okay, the bookshelf broke, but I need a bookshelf. Right. So I I just rebuild it, right? But you should also be thinking, well, um, if it broke under this weight, I need to rethink how I build this in the future so it can support the weight that I want on it. Or you think, well, it wasn't meant to have that much weight, so when I do rebuild it, I shouldn't put that much stress on it. So uh, the first look at this, we should really be thinking, how am I going to rebuild? Mm -hmm. And what Susan and I were talking about earlier, um, before we started recording, is we were just talking about we, if, if the whole mechanism of life has, has broken, which we, you take the pandemic and it just broke us as a human race. Yeah. It was such a magnifying glass on what's actually happening. Yeah. Um, and here we are just trying to put ourselves back into the life that we used to have. Mm-hmm. That's like that's like saying, okay, the bookshelf broke, yeah. and then I'm going to put books on top <laughs> yeah. of a bookshelf that was once <laughs> there. Yeah. Um, and what happens when you do that? Yeah, it just gets They just fall to the ground. Yeah. Right? Yes. There's no bookshelf there. Right. Or if there is, it's a temporary one. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yet we keep adding on the stress mm-hmm. and we keep pushing on. There's nothing slows down. Like the stress has not slowed down at all. Mm-hmm. And spending time with teenagers post, well, we're not even like fully post pandemic, but let's say we are, let's say we are. Mm-hmm. Post what we were experiencing. Yeah. Is, it is different. We have resurfaced and we are in pretty regular life mm-hmm. with some variables as I'll sure. say. Some teenagers are fine. They're handling it okay. Mm-hmm. Most are not. Mm-hmm. And I'm, I'm going to be as honest about that as possible. And uh, if you're a parent or if you know a lot of teenagers um, or you're a youth worker and you work with teenagers, start to recognize, like, they are not the same teenager that was before the pandemic. Mm-hmm. And... And I, I want you to really think, like, how are they different? And for some ways, they may be better off. Mm-hmm. And start to ask, why? Like, why are they better off? What, what was it that did it? So if, if we're recognizing the machine, the mechanism, um, society, in, in a way, is broken or, or broke through the pandemic, through the weight of the stress that life re- has required it to, um, we, we should be asking, what, what do we do? Like, what do we do now? give 
I'm going to give three things that I'm I'm pretty certain, um, based off research I've done, but also just general experience, what we should do with this. This extra weighted uh, stress situation for teenagers today. And we can apply this in other areas of our lives. Mm-hmm. But um, the first thing is we need to slow down. And I've already asked those questions of thinking about that teenager in particular. Mm-hmm. But really slowing down the, the re-entry process mm-hmm. of getting back into normal life um, we can't just take the stress that we had and just put it right back on that bookshelf. Mm-hmm. Um, we may have that goal, but we need to slow down in order to rebuild the bookshelf, even at its old state. We didn't. We haven't taken the time to even reestablish what what we even had. We were just putting stress on top of uh, on top of this bookshelf over the course of time, and then it broke. Um, we don't even know how it was built in the first place. It was something we inherited from the generation before us. Mm-hmm. And so this is actually an opportunity for us to assess what in the world, why was this foundation, bookshelf, whatever was, why was it established in the way that it was? And is it still helpful for today? But as we slow down in the process of rebuilding, what I'm noting right here right now is saying, because the stress level and stress requirements are much higher than they used to be, mm-hmm. the old bookshelf cannot be what we have in the future. Mm-hmm. And we can't recognize that, and we can't build towards that without slowing down um, in the process. Which is so countercultural. Yeah. I've realized that that's probably my biggest takeaway from the m- for myself and my family from the pandemic of, like, it is okay to not have a plan for the weekend it's okay to have a night at home yeah and lots of them yeah. it's so good for us yeah but it is so count the more so that's one thing our family has personally taken away and it is interesting to realize i feel weird sometimes because that is not what any message is telling us, yeah. you know? Yeah. And so I'm sure for a teenager that really does feel like, well, why would I not do that? Yeah. Why wouldn't I go be in this club, do this sport, blah, right. blah, blah, fill in the blank, because yeah. that's what's, like you're saying, that's what's expected of me. Yeah. And that's what everyone else is doing. Yeah. So, yeah, that's really hard because that's yeah, definitely countercultural. Yeah, yeah. It, it's definitely counterculture cultural um, so hard to say yeah it totally <laughs> can't say is. It either. um so we have to we have we have been given the opportunity to slow down mm-hmm. and now that we've ramped things back up the same ex- expectations are still there with and people who've changed yeah yeah and you could even say that that is okay mm-hmm. like you can have the same expectations but if it broke under the previous mm-hmm. way we have to understand we need to, and here's our, our number two, is we have to build a better mechanism. Yeah. So uh, in order to do that, we need to build something that can handle that stress load or we need to lessen the stress. And you mm-hmm. just talked about that. Mm-hmm. Those are really our only two ways of going forward. Um, and it, I think part of this is my own speculation, and I would love to hear people's thoughts on this. Um, and Susan, definitely yours is uh, we've, we've put too much 
emphasis on one way of life in our context, Mm -hmm. saying like you have to do these things in order to achieve this thing that is highly valued in our culture. If you check all these boxes, then you'll get to do and achieve this thing because this is the thing we need to achieve in our context. And we've put all of our eggs in that basket, which has been fine. Let's just say it's been fine. But then that was completely taken away from us because everything broke under the stress of it. Mm -hmm. So if we want to continue with fill-in-the-blank goal or achievement, if we want to continue that route knowing that it's going to require more stress, we need to build up a teenager and a society that can handle that type of stress load. And the amount of kids that I know are in counseling, the amount of kids that break down and cry every day because of their workload, the amount of kids who are suicidal. Um, that Medi- or medicated. Medicated. That number is only going up, yeah. uh, which is a clear indication that the mm-hmm. system is broken. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, um, I don't know. I don't know how to build a better societal system that handles this stress load mm-hmm. really well. Uh, we'll talk about a, a different thing in, in a little bit. So the immediate, the immediate response for now, especially while we're rebuilding um, this next generation and in our communities, is we got to lessen the stress. Just like Susan was saying, mm-hmm. like you have to take things off your plate. Um, and only put as much stress as you can handle for the time. Don't, don't feel any sort of shame saying, like, I, I need to do, I can't do everything, but I'm going to at least try. It's okay <laughs> to say, like, this is, the, per- <laughs> this is the perfect time yeah. to take things off your plate. Yeah. Absolutely the perfect time. And society w- may say something different, but, mm-hmm. like, you have that permission Um both in this situation, but also as a Christian, mm-hmm. like you don't have, you don't ever have to check those boxes. Mm-hmm. Um, and if you needed an excuse, now, now is that time. So I know that that option is unlikely. Mm-hmm. Um, just talking with current teenagers, they just keep telling themselves, I can't, I can't, mm-hmm. there's no way I can take this off of me because this is expected of me, mm-hmm. which, is, which is hard to hear. Um, but it's a sad reality. So what we can do, um, and this is the third piece, is we can uh, establish a forgiving foundation. So when I say forgiving, I don't mean like when I hurt somebody. Um, I mean something that can absorb the weight um, whenever I do crack under the stress. So we're, we, let's, we're like, okay, I'm, I have to take on this much stress, and I don't have the capability to build the mechanism really, really well to handle this stress. Mm-hmm. So my last, last resort is to build a foundation that I can fall onto that it can at least absorb the weight of me falling onto it so mm-hmm. that I don't die. Mm-hmm. So if, if we can't do steps one or two, we can definitely do number three, mm-hmm. is finding something for these teenagers to fall onto that is going to absorb the weight of who they are Mm -hmm. and what they're going through. Uh, Because the reality is we all crack under pressure. Mm -hmm. And so the question is, when we do crack, when we break, what are we falling on? Uh, 
That's a big, <laughs> big question. question. <laughs> so I ask you, dear listener, the teenagers in your life, what what would you say your teenagers are falling onto? Because mm-hmm. they're broken mm-hmm. or they're going to break. What are they going to fall back on? Susan, you, you, you sit with a lot of teenagers. Um, what do you think the majority are falling on right now? Gosh, I feel like I need to think about that for a second because it looks really different for people. I mean, I don't know. I feel like, and maybe I'm not understanding the question correctly, but I feel like the thing that they go back to is just like mindless distraction, whether that's yeah. like, I'm so wiped out that I'm going to spend my whole night binging on something in my bed because I can control that and it's it brings me joy in the moment, you know? Yeah. Or like, like it's it feels like self-care, but it's kind of like feeding into the same thing of like then you're exhausted. You know, like, I don't yeah. know. I think I would probably say distraction. Um, yeah. They can't deal with it. And so they numb themselves with something else. Yeah. Instead of even, sometimes instead of even like making steps towards homework or, you know, like whatever it is they need to do, it's just like, I can't do it. Yeah. So I'm going to look at TikTok for an hour. Yeah. Which I totally get. Yeah. I totally get that as well. An hour passes and you're like, ugh, like I just wasted that. But in the moment, it felt good because you could control it. Yeah. So that's what I would say. Yeah, and I think that's part of the issue is that's something that existed prior to mm-hmm. us completely caving in and breaking. Mm-hmm. And that's one of the, the stressing points uh, that we just reestablished right away. Mm-hmm. We took on the stress that the life required us, and then we fell back onto the foundation that was supporting us, which clearly was not supporting us. Mm-hmm. It's the, the reason we fell so hard mm-hmm. is that our foundation was in something that was an easy fix in the mm-hmm. time. And I'm not going to devalue technology. There's so much fun with it. But when it's it's our foundation, Mm -hmm. and for a lot of these teenagers it is, um, we we all know it is fleeting. Mm -hmm. And and again, we're not here to talk about, like, the distractedness of of technology or anything. But Mm -hmm. that's something that was so easy um, Mm -hmm. to fall on, and it's just so easy to to pick right back up. Mm Um, and it, it's not, this isn't this re-entry phase, mm-hmm. um, or any stressful process is not supposed to be easy. Mm-hmm. And as a coach, that is something I have to tell my athletes every day. If you want, if you want to be good, you got to be able to take on stress really well. Mm-hmm. And I mean, physical stress, like for runners, mm-hmm. you know, you got to be able to handle this workout and it's going to be terrible. But the, if you handle it well. Uh, the end product is the product that you want right. and desire. And that's something I tell my team is like, if you can figure out this sport, if yeah. you can really figure it out, if you can learn how to regulate your stress levels and take it through your physical body and be patient over the course of time, you'll be able to take on more stress in a more efficient and healthy way, mm. which is truly reflective of the requirements of our human life. You know, we have stressful moments that we're confronted with over the course of time. And depending on how we absorb those stressful moments um, will allow us to grow as a human in order to absorb more stressful moments over the course of time. 
Going back to Suzuki, uh, she quoted another uh, leading psychologist, uh, Carol Carol Dweck. Um, I'm not exactly sure how to say that, but D W E C K <laughs> Dweck. Thanks. Um, and she did all this research on uh, mindset and how it relates to our ability to handle anxiety. That there are. Uh, two types of people, um, yeah, I love that. There are two types of people in this world. Uh, but she legitimately found out there are two types of people who have um, one or the other types of mindsets. And based off which mindset you have um, will help you handle stress and anxiety a whole lot better. I cannot wait to hear where you're going with this because right? I totally agree. Go ahead. Uh, Tell so me So she says, this is um, her research, that we are either in a fixed mindset okay. or growth mindset. Ooh, okay. Yeah. So a fixed mindset mm. is somebody who has fixed traits. They say this situation in my life is just the way that it is and my ability to change the situation or my ability to change as a person cannot happen. They she says half of people are fixed mindset mm. people. The other side of that is growth mindset, meaning this is a temporary situation which leads to growth. Mm. Now, what does that, what does that kind of ring out? Like, I say that and something pops up into my mind. If this is a temporary situation that leads to growth, I mean, as a Christian, that, that sticks out quite a bit knowing that we are in a sinful world and have hope in a world where sin is fully removed. Mm -hmm. And in the process, as a Christian living in a sinful world, there is redeeming factors at play mm -hmm. that I am growing through my suffering and I'm growing through my pain. So there is a lot of correlation between that. So I, I've, I picked up on this as I was reading. And so, so smart. Um, I <laughs> <laughs> I've had time to process. I was having other thoughts. I was like, I've this sounds like Ted Lasso. So, um, yeah. I mean, this you could talk about Ted Lasso, and you mm -hmm. could talk about a good coach versus a bad coach. Mm -hmm. um, a good coach is going to say every, like, failing moment is an opportunity to grow. Mm -hmm. Right? Yeah. That's something my dad taught me. That's something Ted Lasso talks about on TV. That's something I try to be as a coach mm -hmm. um, and as a minister. You know, that's something we can tangibly take from that. So um, I, I took this idea and this theory, uh, and I ran um, kind of interviews with kids in our youth group and kids uh, that Very I coach. Cool. Yeah. And I said, tell me about your stress level right now. And I... I, this is no joke. The majority of kids in our youth group who uh, I would affirm their faith in Jesus, they came out of it saying, yeah, I am more stressed than I've ever been in my life. They couldn't exactly name why, um, but they named it, and they named a couple things, and that's where we've gotten some of this information, and I've kind of picked up on it. Uh, but they say, I know um, that 
it doesn't mean everything. And I know that the, the getting through this will be worth it. You know, that's kind of summarizing. That's generally speaking, like these Christian kids. And so then I go to the kids uh, that I coach who I would say largely are not Christian. And um, most of them say it's unbearable. And I want out. And they don't have any sort of hope. And this isn't talking about, this is just talking about the stress in their life. It just seems too unbearable. And in everything, like every single day, I've got a kid in tears uh, because the, the workload of the day, the demands of the day were just too high. And uh, I would say largely the non-Christian kids have found themselves in a fixed state of mind versus the Christian kids uh, find themselves in a growth state of mind. I'm going to put like an asterisk next to that saying like, you don't have to be a Christian in order to have a growth mindset. I'm just, what I want to point out is saying it was really interesting to see that more Christian kids um, grown, grown up in a Christian home were more likely to be in a growth mindset. Does the author talk about like if you are more in a fixed mindset, does that send you more towards anxiety? Like yeah, yeah. So the, yep. the mindset kind of is the division of your mechanisms working right. Yeah. Versus like yeah, so you're in an anxiety spiral. Yeah. So the whole point of why Suzuki was quoting uh, Dweck is to say that we are all we will all succumb to anxious and stressful moments. Mm -hmm. It's coming at us mm -hmm. at any given rate. And when it does that, um, those that have a fixed mindset will break yeah. much quicker um, under that type of mindset. Mm -hmm. For those that have a growth mindset, they will absorb the stress in a healthy way and that anxiety will become what she calls good anxiety. It will gotcha. propel them into a more mature human. Mm. That makes a lot of sense. So uh, thinking about this as our faith, um, I did, um, we called this episode stress on stress on stress, <laughs> right? I like that. That was nice. And I pulled that because I was really thinking of a song uh, by King's Kaleidoscope called Felix Culpa. Do you know what that is? No. I had to look it up as well. Um, I'm not going <laughs> to sit here and think like, wow, I went to seminary and I know what this means. Um, oh, I didn't even know it was a seminary word. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, it's, it's uh, I believe it's an old Catholic theology that has a lot of deep roots into, um, um, I don't know, how we understand grace gotcha. and how it works. So uh, theologically speaking, it's basically saying like uh, sin is bad. But out of that wickedness, we get to experience grace. Mm -hmm. And so from a bad situation, we experience a better situation. So I think Felix Culpa is, um, it's Latin, and I believe it's like, you could translate it as like, I think Felix means like happy, and Culpa is where we get the word culprit. Um, so it's like the source of our happiness and it really focusing out in on the thing that brought us happiness was through a hard time. Mm. So you can see, yeah. you know, um, theologically. But I bring it up, and I actually want to read uh, a little bit of the song, uh, which I think paints uh, the picture a little bit better. King's Kaleidoscope. King's Kaleidoscope, 
Felix Culpa. This is the the first two verses, and, or no, it's the first verse into the chorus. So, uh, turn the lights on, look at what I have, see the twisted trophies of a dead man. Countless stories tell of sin and pain, but they sing the sweetness of my Savior's grace. I'm a torn man, spirit fighting flesh. There's a battle raging deep in my chest. But all that haunts me, all that leaves a stain, only sings the sweetness of my Savior's grace. A fortunate fall, my sins are stories of grace to recall. A fortunate fall, I glory in my sins forgiven. Hmm. So by default, Christians understand that all sins and stressful situations have redemption when found in Christ. So that even though I am experiencing the most stressful time in my life that is surrounded and may be caused by sinful actions, those situations have the power of redemption for those found in Christ. And so those are the things that are going to propel us into closeness with Jesus. And that is a huge gift. If if we're going back to the science of it, if we go back and, and are finding ourselves in that growth mindset. But if we find ourselves in that fixed mindset, we will say, I'm just stuck in this and there's no way out. So big picture, this is a gospel moment. Um, Jesus is allowing us to use this to preach the gospel, saying that this is not forever, um, but also acknowledging this is not right. And where we are in society is saying, we're trying to brush it under the rug of saying that things are okay. Like we've moved on. Don't even worry about what happened. And we've got to go back to that first step of saying, we need to slow down and realize, yeah, this, this really wrecked us. This really rocked our world. And we need to slow down and recognize that. And then we, we need to kind of work backwards and saying, okay, we are disheveled and we're broken down and we need to, to create a good forgiving foundation. And that's just this, is we need that foundation of the gospel, the thing that can absorb us. Um, it can absorb the most weight and the most stress for when our mechanism breaks. So we have to start there. We have to reestablish our foundation, not in what school requires, not what sports or colleges or jobs or anything. We need to find ourselves building up a foundation um, in the gospel. And then only from there can we build a better mechanism, one that is understanding that we are going to fail, we are going to crack, we're going to break. Um, we are never going to have everything in order to handle all the stresses of this life. Um, but when those moments come, we have an opportunity to grow um, as long as we slow down in the process. But we have, we have to go about it like that. So while we do that, um, we, we, sometimes, uh, we sometimes have to stop the, the machine, you know. This is why, you know, God uh, ordered man to, to find rest. And sometimes we have to stop the machine just to check, you know, are things working okay? Um, and, am I too tired? Like, am I going to overheat at this pace? Um, sometimes you just got to stop and just check in. And, you know, as a parent, that's something that's like, whoa, I haven't even checked in. I've just 
they've been taking on so much stuff as I even checked in on my kid. Do they feel stressed? Would they even let me know if they feel stressed? Um, am I emotionally in tune with my kid to know how they're feeling right now? Um, it's okay to stop, but understand like when you stop, first thing you do should do is check where's what foundation um, are they going to fall on? So going back to that question. So um, wrapping up, uh, this is this is all I'm going to say is uh, this is an unfortunate event that is an opportunity to see and experience the grace of the Lord. Uh, and I want to read um, a piece of scripture. It's really short, but I think it's really telling uh, of where we're at right now. So this is Second Peter three seventeen through eighteen. Therefore, dear friends, since you have been forewarned. Be on your guard so that you may not be carried away by the error of the lawless and fall from your secure position. But grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. To him be glory, both now and forever. Amen.